0: Welcome to the broadcast. Speak my word is about to begin. Your host is Shannon Davis, and we are living in the time of the end. Three, 2 1 We have a vision. We will be reading tonight from the King James Vision. Jesus told us to preach the gospel, cast out devils, and lay hands on the sick. If you are not obeying him, you better act quick. He's coming back, and we will all give a report. So obey Jesus, so you don't come up short. Okay, we're going to pick up in 1 Samuel chapter 21. Then David, then came David to Nob, to Abimelech the priest. And Abimelech was afraid at the meeting of David, and said unto him, Why art thou alone, and no man with thee? And David said unto Abimelech the priest, The king hath commanded me a business, and hath said unto me, Let no man know anything of the business whereabout I send thee, of what I have commanded thee. And I have appointed my servants to such and such a place. Now therefore, what is under thine hand? Give me five loaves of bread in mine hand, or what there is present? And the priest answered David, and said, There is no common bread under mine hand, but there is hallowed bread, if the young men have kept themselves at least from women so David's hungry he's asking for some bread there's not any regular rations there but there is the the show bread sanctified for the Lord excuse the priest and David answered the priest and said to him of a truth women have been kept from us about these three days since I came out and the vessels of the young man are holy and the bread is in a manner common yea, though it were sanctified this day in the vessel. So the priest gave him hallowed bread, for there was no bread there but the showbread that was taken from before Jehovah to put hot bread in the day when it was taken away. Now a certain man of the servants of Saul was there that day, detained before Jehovah, and his name was Doeg, an Edomite the chiefest of the herdsmen that belonged to Saul. And David said unto Abimelech, And is there not here under thine hand spear or sword? For I have neither brought my sword nor my weapons with me, because the king's business required haste. And the priest said, The sword of Goliath the Philistine, whom thou slew in the valley of Elah. Behold, it's here, wrapped in a cloth behind the ephod. If thou wilt, take that. Take it, for there is no other save that here. And David said, there is none like that. Give it me. And David arose and fled that day for fear of Saul and went to Achish the king of Gath. And the servants of Achish said unto him, is not this David the king of the land? Did they not sing one to another of him in dances, saying, Saul hath slain his thousands, and David his ten thousands? And David laid up these words in his heart, and was sore afraid of Achish, the king of Gath. Now I believe uh, Achish was a Philistine king, if I'm not mistaken. But what David is having to do is he's running for his life. And so he has uh, run over to the land of the king of Gath, and is going to try to seek refuge there. But not so fast. If he just walks right in, he might be killed. So what's he do? Verse 13 says, And he changed his behavior before them, and feigned himself mad in their hands. So he played like he was retarded. And scrabbled on the doors of the gate and let his spittle fall down upon his beard, yes now I'm ashamed to say but my brother and then I too at times when we were younger uh, would do impersonations of retarded people and my brother would do it and then I would think it's funny and I would do it but I never felt good about it, I felt guilty and I don't do it anymore but, you know, many people have kind of uh, impersonated retarded people. And, uh, you know, I, could, I can kind of imagine what David was doing and kind of slobber around. And and uh, God bless people who are in a retarded state. We, we pray for them that they'll make recovery. But uh, there have been some times in my life where we lived around people who uh, were like that way from birth and um, my mom used to have this friend and she had a daughter named name was Musette I remember her, her daughter's name was so unique Musette you ever heard that before and she was taking care of her brother James and uh, James uh, was up an age when I met him and he lived there and uh you know his own room and I don't know if he was autistic or what his problem was. We just use the term retarded. And he was big and he was strong and um uh, sometimes um depending on the personality, you know, and the level of retardation. They can live and they're all all is well and peaceful, but then sometimes you can have some some that are violent and uh you you know it's a full-time job, and some people can't handle that, and they send people with these disabilities off to homes. But I remember James, and uh, yeah, that's all I'm going to say. Some things you do is funny, but um, I don't make I don't make fun of people anymore who are retarded because you know, it could come on you or I. Don't do it. Um, enough said there. This, these are uh, people they're humans like you and I. Jesus loves them and we, we're we sad to see people that are having um, learning disabilities but we pray for them that they'll recover. And with God all things are possible. But here is exactly what <laughs> David was doing. He was acting like he was retarded. And if you watch the movie King David you'll see him acting uh, retarded and doing some crazy stuff and um, he did that so they would think he was mad you know and and they wouldn't uh, try to kill him as he was you know, trying to get up there and get to the king he might not have made it to the king one of his uh, guards could have put him to the sword before he even got there so he changed his behavior before them, he began to act retarded and feigned himself mad in their hands. That's what he did. And he would uh, scrabble on the doors of the gate and um, let his spittle fall down upon his beard. There was a funny movie, though, I must admit, with Damon Wayans, and he did what King David basically did. It was called Mo Money. Did you all ever see that one, Mo Money? And I can't play a clip because I'm on YouTube streaming, but essentially what he did was... um, they went into this like 7-Eleven store and um, none of them had money and they wanted like uh, some free sandwiches. So while his brother's up there giving 50 instructions on how to make his um, like Subway, Damon Wayans goes over there and he begins to act retarded and he goes and just starts grabbing things and throwing them over his shoulder and the The Indian owner of the store, he's getting nervous and, you know, upset and, and um, they end up getting the sandwich for free because uh, the man has to get them out of there really quickly before Damon Wayans just rips up the whole store because he's acting like a retarded man going through there and just shredding the whole place. <laughs> it's kind of a funny movie, but um, some people act like that. I knew a um, one young man, he would go up and you go at the mall and he would hit women on the butt and just slap them. And that's just what he did. He was only about 12 years old. <laughs> that would be kind of a yeah, bad situation to be in as mama. I'm trying to explain your son as going around slapping women in the fanny. Okay. But this is what happened. And it worked. Then said Akish unto his servants, Lo, ye see the man is mad? Wherefore then have ye brought him to me? And uh, so David achieved his goal. He got up there to see the king. Have I need of madmen that ye have brought this fellow to play the madman in my presence? (laughs) Shall this fellow come into my house? Okay. We're going to continue. David therefore, oh wait a minute, what happened? I'm missing some verses here. Okay. For right now, I'm just I'm I'm puzzled by something here. I thought there was more uh, detail on this particular case. Now it may be in another book of the Bible that that may be where there's more detail on this particular case. But okay, let's just keep going. That was First Samuel chapter 20. First Samuel chapter 21. Then came David to Nob. Well, hang on a minute. I'm sorry. I just read that. 1 Samuel 22. I got off on a tangent, I apologize. 1 Samuel chapter 22, okay. David therefore departed from there and escaped to the cave Adullam. And when his brethren and all his father's house heard it, they went down there to him. And everyone that was in distress, and everyone that was in debt, and everyone that was discontented gathered themselves unto him. And he became a captain over them. And there were with him about four hundred men. Okay. And David went from there to Mizpeh of Moab. And he said unto the king of Moab, Let my father and my mother, I pray thee, come forth and be with you till I know what God will do for me. And he brought them before the king of Moab. And they dwelt with him all the while that David was in the hold. And the prophet Gad said unto David Abide not in the hold Depart and get thee to the land of Judah Then David departed and came into the forest of Horeth When Saul heard that David was discovered And the men that were with him Now Saul abode in Gibeah under a tree in Ramah Having his spear in his hand And all his servants were standing about him Then Saul said unto his servants that stood about him, Hear now, ye Benjamites, will the son of Jesse give every one of you fields and vineyards, and make you all captains of thousands and captains of hundreds, that all of you have conspired against me? And there is none that showeth me that my son hath made a league with the son of Jesse. And there is none of you that is sorry for me or showeth unto me that my son hath stirred up my servant against me to lie in wait as at this day? You know, nothing but just false accusations by Saul. None of this was true. Then answered Doeg the Edomite, which was set over the servants of Saul, and said, I saw the son of Jesse coming to Nob, to Abimelech the son of Ahitub, and he inquired of Jehovah for him and gave him victuals and gave him the sword of Goliath, the Philistine, talking about David. Then the king sent to call Abimelech the priest, the son of Ahitub, and all of his father's house, the priests that were Nob, and they came all of them to the king. Saul said, Here now, thou son of Ahitub. And he answered, Here I am, Lord. Saul said to him, Why have ye conspired against me, thou and the son of Jesse, and that thou hast given him bread and a sword, and has inquired of God for him, that he should rise up, rise against me, to lie in wait, as at this day. Then Abimelech answered the king and said, "And who is so faithful among all thy servants as David, which is the king's son-in-law? He's reminding Saul that David is indeed his son-in-law. Do we not remember that one of Saul's? We know he had at least two daughters. Michal was given to David in marriage." He was actually promised another one, but Saul gave it to another man, gave her to another man. And then um, Saul thought about it and said, I'll give him the call. And so David was married to her for a while until Saul went in to kill him and seize him right out of the bed. And his wife had to warn him, you better leave or you'll be dead by tomorrow because my father's coming for you and she helped him escape but he's still married to her the eyes of God and he's also still the son-in-law of King Saul and King Saul is out here hunting him down like a dog, wants to kill him and the prophet is reminding him hey, who has served you better than David? the very man who's your own son-in-law. So, let's continue. And he goes at your bidding and is honorable in thine house. Did I then begin to inquire of God for him? Be it far from me. But not the king impute anything out of this servant, nor to all the house of my father. For thy servant knew nothing of all this, less or more. The king said, Thou shalt surely die, Abimelech, thou and all thy father's house. And the king said unto the footmen that stood about him, Turn, and slay the priest of Yahovah, because their hand also is with David, and because they knew when he fled, and did not show it to me. But the servants of the king would not put forth their hand to fall upon the priest of Jehovah. They had respect for God's anointed. They didn't want to get struck down. My God, and the king said to Doeg, turn thou and fall upon the priest. And Doeg, the Edomite, turned and he fell upon the priest and slew on that day four score And five persons that did wear a linen ephod. God almighty. Have mercy. I didn't realize it was that many. I thought it was like a dozen. Well, that shows you. You can get a little confused if you watch some of these movies. As good as King David is, I got a few of the details off, but uh, they still slay slay a, a good number of them. But, that many 85 people that was a slaughter one man did that Doeg and they didn't resist one by one he came over and took the sword and plunged it into him and I think as they were still singing I was trying to find a sound clip there's some great sound clips here from the movie and um, I don't have it but at any rate we'll keep going 85 people that did with the led an ephod so they were the priest and the, the the Levite Levitical priest the people that worked up there in the service of the altar of God and handling the sacrifices, killed killed 85 people. And Nob, the city of the priest, wow, he went done, smote he with the edge of the sword. Both men and women, children and sucklings, and oxen, and asses and sheep with the edge of the sword. And one of the sons of Abimelech, the son of Ahitub, named Abiathar, escaped, escaped and fled after David. Now, folks, you think David? Uh, excuse me. Do you think uh, King Saul made it to heaven? It wasn't enough that he disobeyed the Lord when God told him to go in there and slay all the Amalekites, and he didn't do it, and not take any of their their booty. It wasn't enough that he disobeyed the Lord, not waiting for the prophet. Samuel to come and instead he offered his own sacrifice it wasn't enough that he's trying to murder a man which is against the 10 commandments kill king david you you wonder why he's demon possessed he's got demons because the spirit of god left him because of his wickedness and the demons came to torment him sent by god to torment him. now people can have demons not having ever known the Lord and they got them through sins of the fathers, through personal sin contact with the occult um, we can become Christians and still have demons till we drive those out in Jesus name and take back the land bit by bit you can be serving the Lord and then you can backslide and disobey the Lord you know, in the beginning, King Saul did serve the Lord. But then he began to disobey him. And God can punish us. God can actually send demons, tormentors. And one of the best examples I can give is uh, disobeying the Lord when he says, "Forgive, forgiving is not optional. Jesus said, if you do not forgive, neither will my Father in heaven forgive you, and God will turn us over to the tormentors. These are demons. Sent by God. The torment. They have a legal right. That's where we get this word, legal right. They're authorized because of our disobedience and sin and rebellion. Now rebellion means disobeying is as the sin of witchcraft. God considers witchcraft an abomination. You can be operating witchcraft and never been a witch in a coven by disobeying the Lord not repenting, hardening your heart or me doing the same. And I have done that before disobeyed the Lord, been in rebellion, disobeyed His commandments and paid a heavy price. I'll borrow this from Wayne, from my mother who heard it from the mouth of uh, Wayland Jennings, who, which she, she knew for a while. Got to meet him. said, I paid a high price for a lot of low living. Yes, so have I. How about any of you out there? Have you ever paid a high price for a lot of low living? It's better to obey the Lord than to commit the sin and then come back after have to repent. Obedience is better than sacrifice. Now when we repent today we don't have to offer sacrifices they did then. We can come in the name of Jesus Christ repent, ask the Lord to forgive us any will, but let us not forget it says bring fruits, meat for repentance. Is repenting just giving it mouth service and not meaning? from a heart that we're sorry and feeling remorse for our sin not enough to admit you did it we've got to be sorry for it we've got to realize it was wrong renounce and say I don't want to do that anymore I won't do that anymore with God's help make a turn, repent bring food, fruits, meat for repentance King Saul did none of this He just kept piling on problem after problem. No wonder the man was tormented by demons. And when you and I begin to disobey the Lord, and this goes on and on and we don't repent, it can happen to us the same way. We push the Lord far enough, he can turn us over to a reprobate. It is possible to sear your conscience. And Push the Holy Spirit too too many times? Deny Him. He can turn you over. Take a miracle of God to come back at that point. There's been some people that have just seared their conscience and feigned uh, denied the Holy Spirit one too many times and God just turned them over. Reprobate. They couldn't find forgiveness. God forbid. That happens. we can keep saying no to the Holy Spirit it will be one too many times the late John Lyndon Cook testified on this very program that he would go to church but he was not living for the Lord he had not made a commitment and the altar calls would happen in church and invitation to come up and give your life to the Lord surrender and repent and he, he would just walk out slip out. One day he heard the audible voice of the Lord said to the effect, John this is your last opportunity you will not get another and if you walk out of here you will die. Top of all that he had cancer and he did not make a mistake that night like he made before. And he went up and gave his life. Jesus repented. God healed him, healed him of the cancer, and he lived in nearly late 80s. I got to know him the last year and a half of his life. We did many programs and John and Cook, Brother John's Gospel Hour. Well, God forbid we go too far, and King Saul still got more sin he's going to commit. I didn't really realize this. How many people he had murdered? Eighty-five of the, the temple priests, and the Levites. Then he goes to the city of the priests and smote them with the edge of the sword, killed men, women, children, sucklings, oxen, asses, sheep, killed everything. He did to them what he was supposed to do to the Amalekites, and these people hadn't even sinned. They were innocents. And one of the sons of Abimelech, the son of Aitub, named Abiathar, escaped and fled after David. He was about the only one that survived. And Abiathar showed David that Saul had slain Jehovah's priest. There was a mighty slaughter. He slew a whole city. It's no surprise he'd been turned over to the tormentors. And it's going to take him to his grave. God forbid you and I keep spurning the Holy Spirit and we don't repent. It can wax worse and worse. Don't wait. Today's the day of salvation. Today's the day to fall in the mercy of the Lord Jesus. Remember 1 John 1 9? If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins, cleanse us from all unrighteousness, and come back to the Lord no matter what horrible things we may have done or participated in. Fall the mercy of God. It's still available. And as long as you feel some conviction, you haven't went too far. There's not anybody tuning in here that's went too far. I'm worried about those that don't tune into programs like this. Don't worry back from many who have just departed and went their own way is hopefully somebody will stand in the gap and pray and there may be nobody praying for them they're going to be toast but as long as you got conviction there's still hope Holy Spirit's still trying and the conviction of some just they begin to cry that's the Holy Spirit letting them know it's time to come back to the Lord to repent for it's too late and Abiathar showed David that Saul had again slain, murdered Jehovah's priest David said unto Abiathar I knew it that day when Doag the Edomite was there that he would surely tell Saul I have occasioned the death of all the persons of thy father's house. He said, it's my fault. I knew it when that guy was there and I'm to blame. So he says, abide thou with me, fear not. For he that seeketh my life seeketh thy life. But with me thou shalt be in safeguard. Safeguard. Isn't there a soap called safeguard? That's a great word, though. Safeguard means you're going to be all protected. Praise the Lord. We're going to stop right there uh, and go now to Mark chapter 3. What's wrong with Saul? He should have repented and humbled himself after his first mistake. He just keeps going further and further away. Mark chapter 3. And Jesus entered again into the synagogue. And there was a man there which had a withered hand. And they watched him. Watch Jesus. Whether he would heal him on the Sabbath day. That they might accuse him. Now. What's interesting are two things here. This was done on Saturday. The Sabbath day is Friday night sundown to Saturday night sundown. They're having church. It's a synagogue. Temple, as they call it. Christians call it church. The Jews would call it the synagogue or the temple. And the people that were there Looking to accuse Jesus, the Pharisees, the scribes, those that were working with the priest at that time, Ananias and Caiaphas. Um they had seen Jesus heal before. Nobody else was healing anybody. They'd never seen anybody else healed like that, like Jesus was doing. What's wrong with these people? They hate him. What's wrong with Saul? They hate right. The hate the righteous. They should have known this a miracle of God, and humbled themselves. But they need they what some of these people are just wicked. They're hoping that he heals somebody and does a miracle. Why, so that they might accuse him. And Jesus said unto the man which had the withered hand, Stand forth come forward in other words. And Jesus said unto them speaking to the people that were looking around at him wanting to accuse him, Is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath days or to do evil? To save life or to kill? But they held their peace. And when Jesus had looked round about on them with anger being grieved for the hardness of their hearts He said unto the man, stretch forth thine hand. And he stretched it out and his hand was restored whole as the other. That's what restoration is. To be made like new. Like the other. Body part that has no issues. Restoration. Made it be made whole, complete. And the Pharisees went forth and straightway took counsel with the Herodians against him, how they might destroy Jesus. They literally want to murder him. But Jesus withdrew himself with his disciples to the sea, and a great multitude from Galilee. Followed Jesus and from Judea, and from Jerusalem, and from Edomia, and from beyond Jordan, and they about Tyre and Sidon, a great multitude, when they'd heard what great things Jesus did, came unto him. What was wrong with these Pharisees and the Herodians? They were jealous of Jesus? they couldn't do these miracles. They're envious. Their hearts were hardened. They preached for the commandments of God. They replaced the commandments of God with the commandments of men. They held to the writings of the sages instead of the literal Torah and the Talmud uh, the the Tanakh excuse me they went by the Talmud some call that the Jewish Encyclopedia which uh, has these man-made rules and traditions that govern every hour of the day and they were trying to make out that this is some kind of work and you're not supposed to work on the Sabbath this is not what God was saying when that He said you can't work, you're not supposed to work on the Sabbath. You know, you you can. This is ministry, but many of the Pharisees of that time, they were legalistic and trying to get people to obey their laws, not the laws of God. Okay, these are man-made laws and traditions and rules. Not God's rules. And there's many people like that today. In many different denominations of the world, they all have their rules. Many of them do not agree with the Word of God. Look at all the fallacies in the Catholic Church. Look at... Um, the Baptists. Now they love the King James Bible and they they like to read the word, but they don't believe in the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Speaking in tongues. Look at John MacArthur's ministry. He's a great teacher, but he's an heir. He believes the um, healing has gone away. It's not available today. Miracles. He doesn't believe in them other than he did believe in deliverance at least back in the 70's because he's given some testimonies about being involved in it but he believes many of the other things have passed away assemblies of God for the longest time they said a Christian can't have a demon so they didn't do deliverance on Christians and people remain demonized Church of God to some extent also and then look at where many of these denominations are today I'm, I don't. I don't claim any denomination, anymore. I used to say I was Church of God because I grew up in it. They're better than most, but all these denominations are jacked up. That's why they're by themselves, splinter groups. Nobody can agree with the Bible. That's a sad part. We obey the word of God. That's what I like about Nehemiah Gordon. Now he needs to know Jesus as the Messiah, but he's like this. I don't want that any man-made laws and traditions. Just give me the Bible. The Old Testament. The Torah and the Tanakh. He doesn't want the Talmud, the man-made laws and traditions of the sages. Well, I say I'm, I'm a whole Bible person. I believe in the Full counsel of God. The Old and New Testament, it's one book. Men put titles on it. Men even took the uh, English text that we've got today and put chapters and verses and etc. Made it, you know, more pleasing to the eyes when you read it, but. You don't have that in the original text? Did you know that? There's no chapters and verse numbers, but it is easier to go find a verse with them. It's not a salvation doctrine, but just saying. Okay. But these Pharisees and the Herodians, they wanted to kill Jesus. A number of them, not to say they were all like that. There were some that were converted and came to Christ, the Messiah, Jesus. But many of them did not want their legal system disrupted. I guess that's the best explanation I can I can give. Jesus was a disruptor to the system. It's not a good analogy, but uh, Bitcoin is also disruptive. It's a disruptive technology <laughs> to the New World Order and their money system. That's one of the um, the ways to describe Bitcoin, disruptive technology. Jesus was disruptive to the systems of men and to Satan and his plans. You read the King James Bible, you're going to be disruptive too to the, to the kingdom of darkness. You begin to do what God called us to do with signs that fall them that believe, casting out devils speaking in tongues, laying hands on the sick that they recover, speaking the word of God. You're going to be disruptive to Satan's system too. You're upsetting the apple cart. It's two kingdoms colliding, as it's been said before. Kingdom of light colliding with the kingdom of darkness. It's time to go militant for the Lord Jesus Christ against the host of hell. Put every demon to the sword because they'll do it to you and I if they give, give them the chance. You either attack the enemy or he's coming for you with a body bag. You're hearing amen? Well, thank God some people appreciated what Jesus was doing. In fact, multitudes did so much that they came to Jesus and he spake to his disciples, verse 9, that a small ship should wait on him because of the multitude lest they should throng him. He's about to get mobbed. For he had healed many. Not just a few, but many. insomuch much that they pressed upon Jesus, trying to touch him. As many as had plagues. You better be the son of God to be able to heal. Because the lepers are coming for you. people that were sick infectious diseases there was no other hope but they had heard of Jesus the man from Nazareth who was the son of God he is God and his miracles also an unclean spirits they saw Jesus fell down before him and cried saying Thou art the Son of God. And Jesus straightly charged them that they should not make him known. He told those demons to shut up. But why? Because they were broadcasting who he was. It's not because they lie all the time. No. Were they lying then? Of course not. They were becoming a nuisance for him. And actually hastening his death if word continues to spread. He straightly charged them that they should not make him known. And he goeth up into a mountain, and called unto him whom he would, and they came unto him. And Jesus ordained twelve, that they should be with him, and that he might send them forth to preach. Sent forth. To preach, ordained. This program that I'm doing tonight is ordained by the Lord. He told me to speak His word, so here we are. When God instructs us to do something, He's giving the command. He's ordaining us to do it. As relates to ministry in the Church of God that I grew up in, there would be what was called the exhorter's license. If someone desired to work in the ministry to preach. They felt the calling whether it be an evangelist or a, a pastor or other. Many of them would go through the ministerial internship program, the MIP and uh, you would earn an exhorter's license. It means you got a certificate from the Church of God, Cleveland, Tennessee that uh, you've been licensed to get out there and exhort and preach and that's that was a credential that they would require if you wanted to pastor a church and be affiliated with the church you got but then later as you pastored a while uh, you become ordained and that was another level and then um, it used to be there was the ordained pastors, my grandparents were ordained the church you got. my dad had an exhorter's license that's as far as he went he never pastored but he was a, actually an associate pastor for my granddad Weber for a brief time but then um, they changed that now they call them, they used to call them ordained pastors and then they call them bishops which that's very strange to me bishops when I think about bishops I'm thinking about the Catholic church Now, I may be wrong to think this way, but it's almost like, it feels like some of the churches have kind of consolidated to some like ISO standards. Anybody remember ISO? This international standard, and there would be companies that would try to get ISO certified, and I kind of feel like it's a push to bring people up under the control of the Catholic Church notice that the bishops are always subservient to the Pope right? the Papa well that's a cult religion they worship um, the Queen of Heaven and it doesn't mean that everything they do is wrong they do embrace deliverance they call it exorcism And most of it is a a ritual. But when it does work, it's not for the ritual they do. It's because they say, come out in Jesus' name. If you've ever watched a true exorcism, a Catholic exorcism. Now, I use that name to identify what I do. The casting out of devils, because the world doesn't understand deliverance. But they understand exorcism. And Wynne Worley, for that reason, wrote his first book, Diary of an Exorcist. But certainly we don't use any rituals. You know, burning incense. You know, some of these rote prayers. They call it the rite of exorcism. No, and I've seen exorcism, and I've seen demons. Basically, tell the priest, you fool. I got in because my father raped me. The lady said, and he was missing. The point of why he was battling this demon. The demon didn't want to come out because the lady had unforgiveness. Fine, the demon told him from its own mouth. And um, that was an interesting deliverance that I heard. It was all in Spanish. They had subtitles, but I knew enough Spanish to realize they weren't properly interpreting every word. And they missed some detail, but I caught it. And I said, Whoa. It was a one-hour exorcism done by a Catholic priest on a uh, Colombian woman. It was on the the bonus side of um, a DVD you can get called 21st Century Exorcist. It's following this lady looking for somebody to cast her demon out. She goes all the way around and to the Vatican and he's going to find these priests and finally one t- really takes some quality time with her but he misses the boat. His rituals don't work. But when he would say, Come out in Jesus' name, then the demon would have to respond. It would be moved. Well, Jesus has called 12, ordained them. He's tapped them to go forth, to preach. Preach what? Share the gospel. The good news. Call people to repentance. And to have power to heal sicknesses. That'd be cool. And to cast out devils. Yes. And Simon, he surnamed Peter. And James the son of Zebedee and John the brother of James and he surnamed them Boanerges which is the sons of thunder. Wow. And Andrew and Philip and Bartholomew and Matthew and Thomas. You don't hear much about Bartholomew do you? Or even Andrew. And James the son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus. You remember much about Thaddeus? didn't really speak much about him. Also Simon the Canaanite and Judas Iscariot which also betrayed Jesus. Jesus ordained him. And they went into a house and the multitude cometh together again. You know, just looking at Judas He would ultimately betray Christ and then commit suicide and go into hell. He did not repent. He suicided. He murdered himself from the guilt and shame of what he had done. He was demonized. Went to his death. At one time, God used him, and he was even ordained. what we see here he was sent out to preach he'll sick, cast out devils what happened he fell he backslid he didn't go all in for Jesus there's that danger for any of us and a warning to us we could play the Judas we could deny Christ three times like Simon these people have done it people will do it again Or we can lay our life down on the, for the Lord Jesus Christ, go all in, finish the race. Some, are go, some of us will be faced with a decision. Are you going to seek to save your life by denying Christ? Or are you willing to lay it down if to not deny him means death? I think we will all have an opportunity to go out one of the ways that the disciples went out, The apostles. We don't want to go out like Judas, do we? And if we deny Christ, well, we better come back. There was no guarantee that Peter was going to come back after he denied Christ three times. Thank God, though, he did. Satan sought to sift all of them. And he did. Jesus said, Satan Satan seeks to sift you. Talking about the whole group and then he told Peter when you're recovered strengthen the brethren and that's what we need to do we need to strengthen the brethren when we have recovered from a situation encourage people hey you can do it come back it's not too late repent get back in the game well the multitude cometh together again so that they could not so much as eat bread. They were surrounded, people waiting, wanted Jesus to minister to them. He couldn't get a break anywhere. When his friends heard of it, they went out to lay hold on him for they said, he's beside himself. And the scribes which came down from Jerusalem said of Jesus, He hath Beelzebub, and by the prince of devils casteth he out devils. Jesus heard that. And Jesus called unto him and said unto them in parables, How can Satan cast out Satan? And if a kingdom be divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house be divided against itself, that house cannot stand. And if Satan rise up against himself and be divided, he cannot stand, but hath an end. No man can enter into a strong man's house and spoil his goods, except he will first bind the strong man and then will he spoil his house. Verily I say unto you, all sins shall be forgiven unto the sons of men and blasphemies, wherewithsoever they shall blaspheme. Think about that. Thank God. But he that shall blaspheme against the Holy Ghost Hath never forgiveness, but is in danger of eternal damnation. What is eternal damnation? It's to go to hell and then into the lake of fire. Eternally. No end. Damned. If you and I end up in hell, we're damned. That's why we're doing these shows. Trying to reach people before it's too late. Holy Spirit has tried to reach many of us before it's too late. And praise God, it wasn't too late for me because I'm here tonight, but it could have been, I could have died in my sins. How about you? And there are some that have died in their sins. And now they're eternally damned grace and mercy is off the table when the spirit leaves the body that's all we've got to reach as many as we can while we can and in terms of us as individuals we have to fall in the mercy and grace of God and repent while we can or else we could face death fall by the second death which would be thrown into the lake of fire it's eternal damnation But again, all sin shall be forgiven unto the sons of men. Does that mean adultery is forgiven? Divorce? Alcoholism? Drunkenness? Homosexuality? Adultery? Murder? Yes, if we repent, praise God. There's not any sin that shall not be forgiven men if they repent for the mercy of God They're alive, but blasphemies against the Holy Ghost have never forgiveness, so don't blaspheme the Holy Spirit. And I've warned people before in the early days, I haven't seen it much in many years, but there were people that were attacking. Our ministry and the deliverance that we do. And I said, Hold up here. Do you understand what the textbook definition of blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is? It's attributing the works of God to the works of Satan. Deliverance is a miracle ministry. And if you're attributing a miracle of God to the work of Satan, you're basically saying what they said to Jesus. You're casting out devils by the power of Beelzebub. Mocking it? Let me just say, be very careful if you mock deliverance. Better to to say nothing. Say, you know, God, I don't understand what's going on here. Or this is the way I've seen it done before. Help me Maybe I don't know what I need to know. But to those that want to attack, you're on dangerous ground. Because when you attribute the works of God to the works of Satan, you can get in some trouble real quick, and God forbid you go too far, and God holds you responsible for blaspheming against the Holy Ghost. There's no forgiveness. I don't believe there's anybody here tuning in that has blasphemed the Holy Spirit, but There are people in the world that do that. And they're in danger of eternal damnation. Don't do it. And why? Because they said, he hath an unclean spirit. They were saying Jesus was casting out devils by the power of the devil. That he had an unclean spirit. There came then his brethren and his mother. This is Mary and his brother. Brothers. Siblings. Half, half, half brothers. And standing on the outside, they sent unto him, calling him, trying to call Jesus over. Many people were trying to stop Jesus the demons, the demonized, the unbelievers, the religious folk. Even his own family. And the multitude set about. And they said to him, Behold, your mother and your brethren they want to talk to you. And Jesus answered them, saying, Who is my mother or my brethren? And he looked round about on them which sat about him, and he said, Behold, my brother and my excuse me, my mother and my brethren. For whosoever shall do the will of God the same as my brother and my sister and mother. So much to the Catholic Church trying to venerate Mary. And they esteem her above anything else. Jesus did. Of course he loved his mother and she was tapped by God the Father for the mission that she had to bear Christ the virgin birth, conceived by the Holy Ghost. But when push came to shove, he wasn't saying, oh, let me stop what I'm doing. Let me bow to my mother. She's the queen of heaven. No, this is idolization. The Catholic Church is known for its idol worship. They're no different than the Hindus that worship idols. the Buddhist. It's a cult. Are those in voodoo? Now, does it mean that they've got all the doctrine wrong? No. It'd be easier to throw them under the bus if that were the case, but still, they teach some damnable doctrines in the Catholic Church. And it can open you up for demon possession. Idol worship. Worship of Mary. They like Islam both teach that. You know, you can go to hell and and get out of there. I've talked to Muslims. Most Muslims know by default they're going to die and go to hell. They believe only a few are going to make it to heaven, and uh, it it won't be too many women, by the way. It's most gonna be men, and you have to go down to hell, and you hope that Allah taps you and says, "Enough's enough," you can come up to heaven. That's what they'll tell you. I asked a Muslim one time, and he was very uh, astute follower of Islam he would read his um, what, do, what do they call that the uh, the Koran five times a day and pray I don't know Christians who pray five times a day read the Bible five times a day this guy did and he said you know I used to go to the clubs I wasn't faithful my wife I repented I'm trying to be a good Muslim I said, where are you going to go when you die? I said, to hell. But I hope that Allah will tap me on the shoulder and pull me out of there. Most Catholics, also, they have a sense of, you know, there's a wages of sin or, or death. But they believe, you know, depending on what sin you committed, you'll just go to a purgatory. Everybody's going to go to purgatory unless, you know, you just were perfect. And you'll be down there and you'll pay for your, your sins, but only be there for a while and then you'll be let out. And you know, there are things that can be done on your behalf by those that are still alive in your family that can speed up the time that you're there and you get released to go to paradise. Folks, that's sad, isn't it? Listen, if we don't make paradise, we're lost forever. We're damned. It's heaven or hell, folks. That's the only option. There is no in between. There's no purgatory. That's the term that the Catholics use. Father God, in Jesus' name, we thank you for this opportunity to read your word. Put a hunger and a thirst in us all, Lord Jesus to get in your word like never before. Bless everybody that came out. Help us all, God. Let us not be deceived. Forgive us of our sins. Back to the very first thought, word, deed, gesture, and action. We pray right now, God, for anybody tuning in or anyone that has loved ones that does not know you, is not ready to meet you tonight if they were to die. We ask that you pour out your goodness, mercy, and grace on them, loosen to them a spirit of conviction, Salvation in Jesus' name draw them to you through the Holy Spirit give them grace and mercy that they can make a decision to come back to you or come to you for the first time in Jesus' name we pray bless everyone that came out tonight, amen and thank you especially God for those that have supported this program financially and allowed us to do a program tonight, bless them now and your kingdom come in Jesus' name Amen. Friends, uh, we appreciate you you tuning in today. Uh, Please share this program with a friend. I'll have these shows today uploaded for you. I'll get you some more reloaded shows. I'm going to do that every day, beginning today, uh, Monday through Friday at least. And uh, check out the website. I've added a lot of stuff to it. Give me some feedback. Tell me what you think. Thank you again for supporting the program as you can every bit helps, a dollar a month if that's all you can give, I thank you in advance for that, it'll put some fuel in this machine, we can go forward again, God bless you, apart from the Lord Jesus, we can't do anything, and apart from your help I won't be able to get very far so thank you to those that have partnered and kept us alive I pray God gives you great fruit and uh, I pray for those that are not able to give, but would like to God, that you would bless them, give them income a job, a business a financial breakthrough that they can abound to every good work, even to include this if it be your will for them to give. In Jesus' name, amen. Folks, and love and appreciate you all out there. Thank you for tuning in. I'm going to close with a song and um, get out of here, and I'll work a little bit more on the website today. So keep checking in a couple times a week, megamanradio.com. I hope you enjoy it.